You're listening to The Point of Survival, brought to you by Solstice Media, written by Trisha Haggerty. Music and audio production by Ed Batewell, narrated by Andrea Fuller. Episode 4 A few hours later, everyone was finishing up their work and prepping for their morning mission. There were homemade clubs, spears, a slingshot device, and even a few grenades made of baking soda and vinegar. There was a flamethrower of sorts using a lighter and a can of Denver's hairspray. It was the best they could do with the materials on hand, the complete darkness, and their utter inexperience. Denver, sitting cross-legged on the floor with Sam and Cody, craftily pulled a Butterfinger out of her bag and opened it. You were supposed to put that in the ration pile, Cody whispered. Do you want some? She said. Cody took a piece, but Sam didn't. He's diabetic, Cody told her. Denver nodded. You still have to eat, don't you? I mean, beggars can't be choosers. His insulin reservoir only holds, what, 400 units? Cody asked. Sam nodded. He's down to nothing and we don't have a refill. He needs to skip the carbs as much as possible. It's just a candy bar, Denver said. Do you need diabetes explained to you? Cody asked. I'm just saying you might change your story if we're stuck in here a while. Sam and Cody exchanged glances. It was a scenario they didn't want to imagine yet. Gil and Trent stood ogling their weapons arsenal like little boys about to engage in a nerf war. Look at them, Denver whispered to Sam. He was lying on his elbow facing her and had to roll over onto his back to see. So what, he said. We're men, Cody added. We like to fight. Men, you're a freshman, no offense. And not all men like to fight, Denver said, her gaze moving to Kyle. Not real men, anyway. Sam and Cody looked at each other. Him? Give me a break. I give him 30 seconds till he's crying for his mommy, Sam said which amused his brother immensely. Guys like that fight with words, Cody added. I'd like to get him out on the field, see what he's made of. You play baseball? Denver asked. Psh, no, rugby. We're both here on scholarship, Sam added. You wear tights, Denver said, pointing to Sam. And you hug a bunch of dudes on a field, she said to Cody. It's called a scrum, Cody replied. None of it is very manly, she said. Cody and Sam looked at each other. Well, it's more manly than anything he's ever done, Sam said, gesturing to Kyle. Cody, still angry, felt the need to get a dig in. I'm pretty sure he's into that girl, Sid, anyway, he said. Honey, she said to him, I'm from Newport Beach, California. We live in a mansion on a cliff overlooking the Pacific. The guy that waters our flowers probably makes more than her dad in a year. Yeah, but she's smart, Sam said. And nice, Cody answered. And hot. Why don't you go eat her butterfingers then? Denver spat. Getting loud, Trent warned. Denver broke out her nail file and started smoothing a nail edge. You wait and see. He'll get bored of that good and fast. And then he'll come looking for the real thing. Go to sleep, Denver, Sam said. You're going to need it. What with all that conniving and manipulation you have planned for tomorrow? You forgot candy hoarding, Cody added, much to Sam's delight. 
Denver pointed her nail file at the boys. I'll do whatever I have to, she said. So should you. Everyone else was still sleeping when Sid heard the footsteps in the hall. Without hesitation, she grabbed one of the makeshift clubs from their homemade arsenal and held it high over her head. Kyle was instantly on his feet, wide-eyed and adrenaline pumping, his brown hair standing up on one side. What is it? What's going on? Shh, Sid whispered. Listen. They stared at each other, listening. More footsteps. Kyle motioned for her club. Give me that, he said. Get your own, she shot back, waving it around over her head. He threw her a sideways look and crept over to their stockpile. He picked one of the DIY spears and held it over his right shoulder. With his hand, he motioned for her to fall in behind him. Of course, she ignored him. One by one, each of their fellow roommates awakened and jumped into action. Denver backed up into the corner. What's happening? She whispered. Cody shushed her and waved for her to get down. She slid to the ground and covered herself in the tarp. Gil peeked out of the window to see outside. Most of the streetlights were blown out with the blast, but there was enough morning sunlight to see the square. Empty, he whispered to them. The footsteps moved into the science lab. Everyone in the closet froze, their spines pulled straight and their arm hair standing up. No one dared to breathe. The footsteps came closer and closer. The doorknob to the supply room turned. Locked, a male voice said on the other side. There's got to be some kind of water in there, he said. Give me that chair. We'll break the door down. Wait, Sid yelled, startling everyone. Kyle grabbed her, but she persisted. There are people in here. Without even dropping her club, Sid began to rip at the tape and plastic on the door. Trent stepped up and yanked her backwards. What are you doing? You have no right. You've just risked the lives of seven people. She shrugged him off. Maybe I saved our lives. These guys might know something and can help us get out of here. Gil and Kyle paused for a moment, then joined her in unsealing the door. Trent hauled off and kicked a roll of tape across the room that whizzed past Sam's head. Sam stood, his stocky body towering over Trent. Watch it, he warned. He pushed past Trent and picked up two clubs, handing one to Cody. With Sid and Kyle both elbowing each other for the lead, they opened the door and cautiously stepped into the science lab, armed and ready. Three male students stood before them, who looked like they'd been in a war. They held wooden chair legs in the air like baseball bats. They all studied each other suspiciously. Drop your weapons, Kyle commanded. You drop yours, they shot back. There was some yelling back and forth, none of them willing to drop their clubs first. Denver came limping out of the room. Stop! Stop it, you morons! She sobbed. We're all on the same side. Like scolded children, they all reluctantly lowered their weapons. We've come from Connery Hall, one of the guys said, breathing heavily. He had dried blood on his clothes and face. You've been outside? Gil asked. The air, is it safe? The guys looked at each other. Well, we feel fine. Sid put down her club. Ben Forrester. Do any of you know Ben Forrester? The guys shook their heads. Sorry, they said. Never heard of him. Deflated, she sank down into a chair. 
Gil walked over to the main lab doors and shut them. Everyone settled down a bit, except for Kyle. He was foraging. The bomb seemed to contain a bioagent of some kind, a contaminant, Gil told them. The new guys looked at each other. It's probably best you find somewhere and sit tight until you know for sure, Gil added. Somewhere else, Trent said, turning to the others. Our group. Start looking for something to eat, he said. They jumped into action, remembering their growling tummies. Sam was the first to discover some nourishment. This guy's got Slim Jims in his desk and some Funyuns. Ew, he said. They collectively found some crackers, fruit snacks, Altoids, and a drink shaker half full of a green protein smoothie of some kind. When I get out of here, Cody said, I'm going to bring food and water with me wherever I go. They agreed. One of the three new guys was scrounging through the teacher's desk. Trent looked up in time to see him stuff items into his bag. Hey, he shouted. I saw you just put something in your bag. We share our stash. Sam and Cody looked at Denver. She stuck out her tongue. The guy scoffed. Every man for himself, he said. Kyle and Trent looked at each other. It wasn't worth the argument, but they knew instantly where they stood with those guys. Don't sweat it, Trent, Kyle said. They can take what they want and leave. The guys agreed. Fine by us, one of them said. We weren't planning on setting up camp. Gil tried the sink, which sputtered and spat, just the water that had been sitting in the pipes and nothing more. I'm not sure it's safe to drink anyway, he said. I hope help comes soon. One of the three guys laughed. Help? Who do you think's gonna help? We're on our own, another chimed in. Sid came and stood next to him as he filled his bag with whatever he could find. Who did this? She asked them. Terrorists? They didn't look like terrorists, one of them said. Looked a lot like our military. The third guy joined them. Why? He asked. To make a statement? To get attention? To show us who's in charge, Kyle said. Sid pressed on. What happened to all those students in the square? Where did they take them? They all shook their heads. No idea, but I don't want to be on the next convoy. They looked around at each other. They'll be back for us, one of them said. Denver came over and sat beside Kyle with a dramatic sigh. The three guys wasted no time taking what they needed and moving on. Sid kind of admired their spirit. They were more of a smash-and-grab operation, while her group was more civilized and organized. She was getting tired of being civilized. Being confined was making her jumpy. After the guys were gone, Trent and Kyle began to barricade the lab doors and tape up the windows to the outside. Wait, she said to them. Who's in for a little scavenger mission to the cafeteria? Sid asked. Gil ran his hand through his hair. We don't know what's going on there, Sid. And the only way there is via the skywalk. You'll be highly visible. Yeah, well, I know what's up here, Sid said. Starvation and dehydration and frigging cholera from poor sanitation. We can't stay up here forever. There has to be salvageable food in the cafeteria, Cody agreed. The cafeteria is trashed, Denver said. The dining area was destroyed, Sid corrected her, but the food is stored elsewhere, and with or without you guys, I'm going. Kyle nodded. I'll go, he said. But there'll be others looking too, no doubt. Suggestions how we handle that? With force, Sam yelled out. He and Cody high-fived. Gil shook his head. 
They're students and teachers just like us. I'm not comfortable hurting anyone. Trent scoffed. This isn't a tea party, all due respect. It could be life or death down there. If they go, they stay cool. Unless shit hits the fan, be prepared, that's all. They all agreed. Like it or not, it was go time. You're listening to The Point of Survival, brought to you by Solstice Media, written by Trisha Haggerty. Music and audio production by Ed Batewell. Narrated by Andrea Fuller.